0: Stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. In my work with coaching clients, I guide people to improve their communication using storytelling as the foundation of our work together. What I've realized over years of coaching and podcasting is that the majority of people don't realize the impact of the stories they share on their internal messages and on the people they're sharing them with. What really lights me up is guiding executives and uncovering the stories in their lives that are meaningful. The stories that when shared with the right audience in the right way, connect, inspire, and motivate. Here's what a former client had to say about our work together. As a leader of leaders, I struggle with how and when to use my stories to emphasize the points my audience is looking for. It's a delicate balance between sounding like I'm bragging and delivering a message that needs to be heard. Sarah's approach to storytelling clears that obstacle so that you can deliver a clear and concise message using your stories to emphasize your points. It's truly amazing when it all comes together. Greg McDonough, Blackburn Capital Advisors and President of the Entrepreneurs Organization of Washington, D.C. Visit elkinsconsulting.com to learn more about working with me. Today, I'd love to highlight a guest who really focuses a lot of her attention on inclusion in the workplace, and that is something that obviously is on uh, the minds of many, many of us these days here in uh, 2021. So Alyssa Carpenter is joining me today via another fabulous introduction from Meg Nossero out in Miami, Florida. And Meg is kind of the super connector, it seems, because she's introduced me to a couple of fabulous um, podcast guests in the past few months. So thanks to Meg. Alyssa, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I always start out with a very basic question because I love for our um, listeners to get to know a little bit about you from a different perspective than what they would find on your LinkedIn profile. So, can you tell us a little bit about something that maybe most people don't know about you?
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think of something juicy or fun, but in <laughs> you know, so for my work, I do a lot of training and speaking. I'm going to, well, not at this moment physically around a lot of people, right. um, but I love being in that environment, but I'm actually really afraid and nervous during networking events, but I don't know anybody in the room. Um, so going to an event where I'm not speaking, don't know anybody. I It's not my safe place. As long as I know one person, I'm okay, but I feel very out of my element, stressed out a little bit before, who am I going to meet? Where am I going to see people? Um, so that really makes me uncomfortable. And I think people are really shocked to hear that because I do so many speaking engagements in front of really large audiences.
0: Oh, that's so funny. I love hearing that. Um, and it, it, it does it, it does um, seem a little contradictory, but to somebody like me, that doesn't surprise me at all because I have kind of a similar outlook, except that um, I tell people I really don't like to go to other people's parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, love, I love to host. And if I'm invited to help cook or help make cocktails um, or help host a party at somebody else's house, I love that. And here's my theory, and maybe, maybe this is going to resonate with you. I realize that it's because I like to have a job to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, if it's my family and we're we're gathering together, I like to be able to walk away from a conversation and say, "Oh, sorry, got to go check on the steak," or you know whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: remember it. even when I was nursing my daughter, it's, "Oh, I'm sorry, you know, I have to go and do this, or I have to wash the dishes," or it gives <laughs> you this. Kind of safe out, if you will. Like, you, you know, you have a great time, you're having the conversation, but you can step away and talk to somebody else and then come back. You're not going to run out of things to talk about at that point.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, it's so nice to have company in that. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Um, just for our listeners, also, could you tell us just a little bit? Actually, let's start with a story. Can you tell us something, a story about something that happened recently when you were doing one of these events? that really made you light up where you saw, you saw a light bulb come on in someone else's eyes or something like that?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about how I miss in-person events. And it was something that I just took, quite frankly, just for granted. This is something that I do. You see people. And you don't get those light bulb moments as much, I think, during a virtual session. Um, when you're talking with people, whether it's in a small group um, or doing a large speaking engagement, but just recently, I wasn't sure if I connected as well with the audience. There was a technical glitch in the program, and some of the slides wouldn't work on their end, and I was I was so worried about it. Um, but kind of you know staying focused, staying cool, and and the audience just continuing to engage so well, and the amount of email responses of I actually really like that the slides weren't there at the time because we were able to engage. It was more of a conversation. So it was something that I thought maybe didn't go as well as planned and to see, okay, I can roll with the punches. People can still get the information. I can still create the space virtually and it will work out and it would be okay. So to me, that was just this great aha moment for myself. And then to get the feedback from other people that, that it worked, it was successful, was just a great validation point.
0: Oh, yes. Isn't that just amazing when things go that way? So um, was there any one person that mentioned a particular aha moment for them, one of your clients or one of the participants?
1: In that particular session? Mm -hmm. I think it was just the aha. I didn't. One was I didn't need the slides. I, right. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I craved the interaction of community with other people without physically looking at something mm-hmm. on the screen. Of You can still build that community in that space. Um, what I talked about in that session was how to build virtual relationships. So it really weaved <laughs> well uh, of kind of optimizing that space. And, and a lot of the things I talk about, too, are... Not necessarily common sense when term, in terms of relationships and building relationships, but a lot of people were even saying, oh, I, I didn't realize I had to share that I care about you or I care about your well-being and how you are and asking those questions or just those aha moments of moving from the assumption that they were yes. thinking their employees understand where they are, that they're there for them. They can ask any questions to the, I have to reach out and, and provide that information and ask the questions to them.
0: Oh, yeah, I could totally see that. And I love that you were tested on your theories about how to (laughs) connect like that. I mean, I I really think most of the time we're gifted those scenarios. Um, I know uh, it it feels different to do it online, obviously, but to be able to demonstrate exactly what you were trying to put across, it's that that must've felt kind of magical. Like it was exactly what it needed to be.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you hear people talk about all the time about being vulnerable and show up and be yourself. And I think you're talking about experiences that previously happened and when you were vulnerable and people can't necessarily see it as much, but when you're in this space of, Oh man, these slides don't work. You know, what are we going to do? And, you know, you're talking to people. It's like this stuff happens, right? This is the reality and this is what's going on. How are you going to roll with it? How are you going to have those conversations? You're able to demonstrate those actions and and not hide behind that vulnerability. Be there and share um, kind of where you're at. So it's definitely at the moment that that moment that something happens and doesn't go right. You don't feel like you're gifted that moment, right? You don't feel like <laughs> you know you you want to give yourself. People want to be vulnerable when they want to be vulnerable, just in general about about things. And I think um, sometimes when you're kind of thrust into those positions, it's when you can show up the most, when you can be your your true self the most, and when people can really appreciate who you are and what you bring to the table the most.
0: Definitely, I I think that's such an important concept that many people miss is that opportunity. Um, one of my dear friends, Kimberly Davis, talks about it. her book is called Brave Leadership, and she talks a lot about owning that moment, and and not trying to hide it or or make it something else. And she tells a story about crying in as she was hosting a she was facilitating a session on Brave Leadership. And something happened and she she cried and she was so embarrassed. You know, she walked away from that. This is in her book. She walked away from that going, oh my gosh, you know, how brave was that? That wasn't very brave. And then the people that were in that session came up to her and they're like, thank you for showing that vulnerability. You really showed us that it's okay to do that. And I felt really connected with you afterward. So it's not that she was overly emotional. It's not like she was sobbing and not able to, to speak or whatever. She just was choked up and mm. she allowed that moment and it was not intentional. Um, but now every time I think about that, um, as a matter of fact, just a, a few months ago, I did a, I, I did a keynote that was, of course, virtual. And I was telling a story about our firstborn when he was firstborn And I got teary because I had just seen him. He's 22. He's like significantly taller than I am. Super strong, big, broad shoulders, has a full beard, Alyssa. I mean, my baby has a full beard and I had just seen him. He had just walked into the house to get something um, to bring back to his apartment. And so I'm telling the story of him as an infant and I teared up. I got a little, you know, choked up and it was It was Kimberly's story that popped into my head. I'm like, I can let this happen. It's actually important that I do let this happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think Uh people need to see you as, right. And it's that as silly as it sounds, this balance, right. You had it together. You were just, you were not just, you were telling this beautiful emotional story and, I don't want to say you wouldn't be human if you didn't tear up or had some type of emotion, or it wouldn't be an important story if you didn't have a connection to it. So to show the audience and people that this is meaningful to me and this is something that's you know that's so important, I think it again it builds that connection, it builds that trust, it builds those relationships with other people.
0: Definitely, definitely. So speaking of our children, um, I know yours are too young to take the strengths assessment. But we were when before I hit record, we were talking about uh, StrengthsFinder and particularly when responsibility is in their top strengths. Um, Can you describe what that generally means so that our audience who are not familiar with StrengthsFinder will have a general idea of what we're talking about?
1: Sure. I can describe just briefly the assessment in general on what that Mm -hmm. what that means. Would that be
0: helpful? Sure. I'm sure it would be helpful for our listeners. They've sure. heard me refer to StrengthsFinder a lot as a coach, but um, I think it would be really helpful for somebody else to use their words for it.
1: No, sure. I'll just give a brief description. Um, it's one of Gallup's assessments where you can, where it helps you identify your top talents. Um, in most of the reports, you can get your top five talents. There are 34. 34 strengths over over four themes so relationship building influencing strategic thinking and executing so each one of those falls into those categories and it was interesting when i got my report when i got the whole 34 if you kind of go in and want to know everything responsibility showed up in my top 10 and all of these things are strengths and all of these things are talents but it's things that you wake up doing without even realizing that they're a talent it's just something that you can do near perfection and while responsibility is such an incredible strength, as we were talking before, I think it can be so tough, especially growing up and in really in your formative years, when you feel so much responsibility to yourself, to your family, to your community. And sometimes I even find it hard to balance of what is most important. I told somebody I would do this work, or I said that I would make this happen, and I can't not make this thing happen. It's just in me. If, I, if it's due Tuesday, I'm going to give it to you probably the week before. You're definitely going to get it. Um, but I feel like that's really hard growing up because you're also trying to manage whose responsibility is most important, maybe forgetting about yourself, maybe forgetting about somebody else. And I, I can imagine that internal struggle during that
0: time absolutely and for our listeners a person who has natural a natural talent that has responsibility in their top strengths what that means is that this is the person that when when they say they're going to do something they're going to do something but it's not just because they care about you or they care about whatever they're doing it's because they identify as a responsible person that is part of their identity it's a core value and um so there there is a they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And um I was just telling Alyssa before I hit record that our younger son has responsibility in his top five strengths. I might it might even be his number one talent. And when I look back at his role in our family, that has definitely played out from the time he was 14, maybe 13, he took that on. And there are times where I've had these conversations with him about, well, is that your responsibility or does that belong to someone else? And he has, I think because we have those conversations, he's been able to find some way of adjusting his mindset about responsibility. But I was talking to um, a a man who is probably in his thirties, one of my coaching clients, and he has responsibility in his top strengths. And he asked if these change over time. And I said, well, they can, but it's not usually a significant change. So you probably had responsibility when you were younger too. And he laughed out loud. He was like, oh my gosh, I was the most irresponsible young man between 16 and 25. Like I was so irresponsible. I said, really, were you really irresponsible? He said, well, I bounced checks. You know, I didn't stay in school. I dropped out, blah, blah, blah. But I I asked him, how close are you to your friends? And family. He said, Well, I'm pretty close to my family, but my friends, you know, I have this core group of friends. I said, Okay, so when you were 18, 19, were you part of that core group? He said, Yeah. And I said, My guess is that they called you when they were in trouble. My guess is that when they needed somebody to help them with something, to show up for a move or to bail them out or to pick them up as the designated driver, they knew they could count on you to do that. He said, Well, yeah. And I said, that's how your responsibility showed up then. Mm -hmm. And it's different. It's showing up differently now that you have other roles in your life, like being a father and being a husband. Mm -hmm. So have you noticed that as well, that shift in how it shows up?
1: Yeah. And it's even the difference between, and you obviously know as a coach, just being that raw versus mature talent, right? And Mm -hmm. how, how much you work on it um and it's interesting i've taken it a couple of times just going through the the training process for certification and the top 12 are the same they just might be in a different order based on your mindset at the moment but it they show up in different ways and i think even just personally and professionally or people put it in a box that these are my professional strengths I'm like no 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 this no. is who you are as a person <laughs> right you might not show up as a responsible employee but again like you're um, like your client of friends and family, you're really holding that, you know, that responsibility. The relator is in my top talent. And when I was younger, it was still smaller groups, but a lot of smaller groups of people that I used to kind of be around just given that state. And now it's just really a core group of people that I'm with versus the kind of the small group. So how I relate to people and who I hang out with has really shifted. Communication for me is shifted from a lot of oral communication to more written communication. So how, you know, how I go about things and how I do it. Has shifted over time, but it's also where I am in my life. You know, before I had kids, having kids, and then having a business, priority shift, and how I can tap into them has mm-hmm. continued to shift. And I know will um, based on what's happening.
0: Yeah, I, I I love that you said that because um, I have only ever taken it once, but I was um, I was employed full time. I wasn't self employed when I took it yet, and I remember not being at all surprised by numbers three, four, five, six, but I was shocked at numbers one and two. And as I that I've worked with hundreds of clients, um, I see a lot of people are surprised by their numbers one and two. Not everybody. I mean, plenty of people are like, oh yeah, that totally describes me. But what I find is that there there are quite a few. It's pretty common to be surprised by the top two because they come so naturally. Mm -hmm. They just, it just happens. And so, Um, the way that I describe it to my clients is these are the talents that um, people compliment you all the time and you're really dismissive of them. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says, wow, um, I I love the way that you just took this on and went from point A to point B so quickly and you knew exactly what to do. I'm like, well, yeah, of course, (laughs) because that's, Doesn't everybody do that? And so I'm kind of dismissive of that compliment. And so I tell my clients, that's one way to know. And another way is when um, you get annoyed when people do things a way that doesn't make sense to you because you have the fastest way or the most efficient or the most productive way to do something. And you're like, you're so smart. Why are you doing it that way? (laughs) (laughs) But that's because that's your natural intuitive talent. And that's why people don't always... The, why it, sometimes it surprises people when that shows up. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah. And it's interesting
1: too, because the likelihood of you having the top five in any order is one in 276,000 and the top five in the same order is one in 33 million. So it just goes to show how unique we are. And the even though my husband and I, I actually had him take it, have three of the same. He's a CPA. He's in accounting. I really don't even like Excel or numbers. (laughs) So how you go about, right. And how you use them and how they intertwine, Mm -hmm. I think is so unique. So not all includers are the same or all communicator, you know, people with communication or positivity are all the same. So Mm -hmm. I, I think that's so it's just so fascinating to me, but I love what you said about the, you get annoyed about other people when they almost don't see really like, it's obvious, right. you know, With the includers, my number one, like how oh. do you not see the person who works on this project is not invited to this meeting? So nobody here knows what's like, how did that not cross that. anybody's mind? And that's right. the only, like the first thing I think of. So it's, it's so fascinating to see how, how different it is. And I'll leave out other things because those aren't my strengths, but that one thing I'm like, wait
0: a minute, you know, what's you going on. <laughs> <Right>? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So how are you using this? Can you give a, a, a story or a description of how you're using this tool when you're doing this inclusion, this inclusion work? I, I'm not surprised you've included as you're <laughs> given the kind of work that you do. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, I don't have includer anywhere in my top; like it's way down somewhere in my high twenties. And I have command of my top strengths, which means that I always need an includer near me, or I'm going to step in it with somebody—almost guaranteed.
1: We're a good so, match. Command is like my thirty-second or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm of the, the the I'm in the camp of you can't make a decision by committee and mm-hmm. you know sometimes you just have to go and just make a decision where i know that every time i've had an includer in my team like when i was the president of the women's leadership network here in town i had an includer i didn't know it at the time but now i look back i'm like oh that's that's why i was successful was because i had an includer on my team that would say hey you need to copy everyone on this mm-hmm. send it to everyone <laughs> i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: But so those are the best relationships. And I think sometimes, you know, even at work, like we're scared of that, of, like, I need to work with you to be like, yes, we should send it to everybody, but not everybody needs to be here. Like, let's be real and um, let's make a decision. Everybody, we don't need to go around the room, but that's what makes things happen. And that's what helps Kind of, I don't want to say keeps mistakes at bay. I mean, we're always seeing it in the news of how did this product, project, our product get launched, or why did they put that on social media? We, who was in the room? And it's because people aren't having these types of conversations. And I use StrengthsFinder a lot, and not always necessarily in all of the DEI stuff I do, but I think when you work with people, I mean, one, you have to be really self-aware and you have to know who you are. And I think the strengths assessment gives you that. And you can have that aha moment of, because you do things like you wake up in the morning and you do it, you don't even realize it's a strength or a talent. And I work with so many women who are nervous about command or why am I coming across as bossy or it's, you know, these things and they're all, right. And they're, incredible time. No, I think I'm like, I I don't say envy is a fairly people with command, but I think it's amazing, you know, oh, to have that, that strength.
0: <laughs> oh, no, and, I'll tell you another story later, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, and I think it's, it's incredible to find out who you are and what you bring to the table. So you can come with a sense of confidence and know, okay, this is what I'm really good at and this is my strength and what I bring, but this is also what I'm lacking. And this is what I'm lacking as an individual. And these are the people I need to partner with and doing the team talent map with, with teams and saying, okay, we have so many relationship builders here. We have a lot of people who are strategic thinkers, but we don't have any executors. So we love to talk, we love to plan, but we never get things done. So what are we missing and, and what can we do? And that even goes with in the inclusion space we're talking about even influencing is the least of all, um, just across the board, statistically, people fitting in that influencing, if you want to make things happen, you have to build those relationships, as I see it, and influence people, whether it's a product to jump in and and to kind of have those conversations. So to see where you are, I think is important to see where your team is and to see where you are as an organization, I think is is a big game changer to know what you have and what you're missing and how you can make up the difference moving forward.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and just for our listeners... D-E-I stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So in case you have been seeing this all over the place and didn't quite know what it means, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's the kind of work that Alyssa is doing. So Alyssa, can, can you share a story about a, an aha moment for a couple of your clients when they realized that they could ask each other or where those strengths were like, oh, that's why this has been happening?
1: It was interesting. I was doing some intergenerational work with a client recently because in their team, they were really struggling. They've been with the organization for a long time. We consider themselves a baby boomer. And we're saying, I have so many problems with millennials. I have so many problems when Gen Zers who are coming in, we're not able to connect. I just don't see it. Um, and what I did was was a strength as part of some of the training that we were doing, just to see, you know, where is everyone? Because a lot of the times people have the same goals. So they had the same goals within the organization. They were just going about it a different way. And to see the manager have that aha moment of, that's why that person frustrates me. And that's why they're not handing things on a time. Oh, that person, even for communication, needs it in an email, or they're seeing it seven steps ahead, and I'm 50 steps behind, you know, this is what we need to do. And it was just this aha moment that regardless of kind of generations and where we are, we need to have these conversations, I need to know who I can rely on for what. And just seeing their self confidence go up a lot in terms of what they can bring to the table and the steps that they're going to take next is really cool because I think if if you're struggling, you're like I just don't know what to do. Like I I think I'm a failure. I don't know what's going on with my team or they're just crazy. You know I'm great or what's happening. You know all <laughs> these emotions you know we're going through. So for them to leave with some tangible information and truly build. More connection and have conversations with their team about who they are was just this very cool aha moment.
0: Oh yeah, I you know I always I I think a lot about the um, intergenerational workplace that we have now, um, but it's not it hasn't been top of my mind for probably a year because of all the other issues with diversity and inclusion. But diversity is across the board. It's not just ethnicity or gender mm-hmm. or race or whatever. Um, and so I, I love that you brought that forward, that intergenerational workplace, because I think oftentimes we um as a, well I'm one of the older ones now, but luckily I'm self-employed. So don't have to worry about it. But I I've seen a lot in my years of having um bosses that were much older than I was and they seem so stuck in their ways. And I know that I've constantly challenged them. But it wasn't because I was younger. It was because that's my nature. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with my age. And I think sometimes they would dig in their heels because they were threatened by it mm-hmm. rather than, um, and, and so it was a confidence issue. And I think it would have helped now that I look back at my different work experiences, it would have helped for me to know who I was and, and why I think the way that I do and for them to know and to know themselves. Um, I think that's the key here more than anything else is that self-reflection part of um, i can tell you that the way my command shows up now is really different generally you know unless I'm with my family but generally my command shows up really differently now than it did 10 years ago um, it was always there because mm-hmm. I know my mom and sister called me bossy and controlling which is ironic because I also have adaptability so i'm always <laughs> shifting gears but um, there was a time I remember my mom um, a few years before her husband died was saying something about how bossy and controlling I was, and I was like, "But I don't really care how you do it. You just said you'd do it, so I expect you to do it, right?" So, and to to her, that came across as bossy. What's ironic though is that a few years later, when her husband died, I showed up at the house to help a couple days after he had t- passed, and um, my sister had been there. For a few days, my aunt, my mom's identical twin sister had been there for a few days. And I showed up, I walked in the door, the dog immediately burrowed his head into my leg. And my mom came and collapsed onto me, weeping and said, thank goodness you're here. Now I know everything will be okay. And I look back now, I'm like, that was my command. Mm -hmm. That's when she knew it was going to benefit her to have somebody who was bossy and controlling in the house. (laughs) So when you said bossy command women, I totally live that. But it shows up differently now that I know that about myself, having had the assessment, having had some coaching around it. And is there something in your top strengths that you have had some coaching around that have has shifted the way that you look at that particular talent?
1: I guess a few of them. I'm trying to think of a particular almost moment, but it was interesting because before starting my business, it never occurred to me to build a business around my strengths. Like even though you're doing it anyway, it just never really occurred to me to be so focused on doing that. Okay. But the the positivity one I struggle with sometimes. So I, positivity is in my my top five people that's, people will say, you know, I'm bubbly, I'm energetic, like that's just who I am by nature and have always been I needed coaching around it because sometimes I think people have this one rely on you so much to be that positive person. And that anytime you're upset or sad or tired or something, it's what's wrong, what's going on? I'm like, I just, I need some time. Like I need some sleep. My my and people's normal positivity is my bad day. If that right. kind of makes sense. Right. So then totally. it's very hard to be the person who's always positive and people are feeding off that positivity. So when you aren't positive in that moment, that coaching around like, what do I do? What do I say? How do I act? Because there's so many kind of questions around it. And, you know, even being in this space and being home and kids, and there's so much going on and I'm always looking for the positive way out of it, you know, but being cautiously optimistic, but coaching just around what does that look like? I don't have my head in my clouds. I'm, I'm really a positive, realistic person. But I think sometimes it might come across as I think things don't exist. I think problems don't exist. And that's not that's not the case at all. I am just trying to find a solution to it or work around or just have a different mindset about it. But it's, I think it's something that I've always really struggled with underneath.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. It's especially interesting to me because I was working with a coaching client who's a high powered attorney who has positivity in her top strengths. And, um, she said during our training that people often underestimate her. And I started looking at all my coaching clients with positivity in their top strengths. And all of them have had that experience of being underestimated. And it comes from this idea that you're not realistic or that you are seeing things through rose-colored glasses or that you're fake. And um, it's so interesting to me as I look back at all the people I knew that likely had positivity in their top strengths at work. And I see that pattern across the board. And I have to admit, I was one of them that was like, oh, they can't be real. <laughs> right. Um, and so now I think that's one of the most important parts of our work. You and I, as strengths coaches, mm-hmm. is to make sure that people know every training I give, regardless of if anyone has positivity in their top strengths, every training I give, I talk about positivity. And because it's so important that we acknowledge those cheerleaders. And, yeah. and stop underestimating them. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you this attorney, people underestimate her until they see her in the courtroom. <laughs> and then, whoo, <whew>, <laughs> it's like the, the, the blinders come off. And, and then afterward they're like, wow, I just didn't know you had that in you. So have you, I'm assuming you've had that experience multiple times.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also interesting to, have people come up to me in an event and say, I followed you on social media. I've watched your videos. You really are the same person in real life. And I'm thinking, of of course, like who else would I be? You know, and it's this, this, well, maybe she's fake. Like this really isn't this person online. And then seeing me in real life being that same person, Mm -hmm. I think was such, I don't know if it just doesn't happen often, but was just this shock. Um, And I'm the type of person, if if you feel like I'm not going to be able to do something. I will do it. Like it's just to prove that I can, or to try um, to do it. So I think if it's not being mean, if I say something or do something, you know, thinking about um, your client as the, as the attorney, that oh, I didn't know they had it in them. If I've done something like that, it's this moment, you know, people have oh, oh, I didn't realize you you can be real about an issue, or you can really get on a soapbox and be passionate about something, and not this smiling every five seconds type of thing. So it's it's right. very fascinating to see the other side in terms of their reactions to who you know you are and have always been.
0: Right, right. Well, I think across the board, that is that is an interesting dilemma. Um, as a matter of fact, I talk about that a lot, that importance of, uh, so Mark Bowden did a TEDx in Toronto in 2013 called The Importance of Being Inauthentic. And it was really about using your body language, using your expressions to make sure you're connecting with people if you have something important to say. Because if your authentic self walks around frowning all the time, you're highly unlikely to to listen to your brilliant idea, right? So that's his take on it. But I think about it in the other side of it as well, which is um, making sure that we are in alignment with our values. So regardless of what people think externally, as long as my behavior is aligned in alignment with my values, which my behavior could be way out there. Like, um, many people don't realize I sing with a rock band mm-hmm. and not, not just any rock band. It's a 60s style rock band <laughs> and go-go boots and vintage mini dresses. And, but I step out on stage and it's still my authentic self
1: mm-hmm.
0: because my values are still on full display as well as my go-go boots. so <laughs>
1: It's a great but, combination. <laughs> it,
0: well, I think so. <laughs> but, but it's fun. And, and I think it's really important for that, that your last comment to, to, to be heard, which is that when you're in alignment with yourself, whether you're online or in person, people can see that and you're definitely demonstrating your, your natural talents. Interesting. (laughs) So um, I would love to hear another story from you, since this is, you know, your stories don't define you. When you were um, just kind of getting started with your business, I'd love to hear a moment that you realized that you were doing exactly what you were supposed to be doing. One of those, um, you walk away thoughtful, but also feeling like a rock star. Like, yes, that was that's right. Do you remember a moment like that early on? Or even before you started your business?
1: Yeah. um, Well, going through before I I started my business on the side while working full time at a university. And then I left that position and did my business full time. In, In the middle, I took a strategic business planning class and it was. I wanted to prepare myself for the business side, which is funny. I worked at a prestigious business school, but did not have this, this business background. And I, you know, having your business, you are a content expert, but not necessarily how to run
0: the business. Right. Um, Right. (laughs) And
1: you're like, wait a minute.
0: I still don't know how to run my business, (laughs) but
1: but those are two totally different things, right? You Mm -hmm. know, you take some of the skill sets, but it was interesting throughout the class and doing the books and meeting with my clients. And I was so, I was nervous. It was a huge transition and there wasn't one defining moment, I think with specific clients, but it was going through the class and just this feeling of, I can do this. These numbers make sense for me um, in terms of having a successful business. My feedback from my clients is really, really working well because I was so scared to take this leap and had taken so much precaution and so much thought behind it to make sure it was right for for me, for my family. And you know, after completing the class, like mean, I can do this. Like this is this is something I'm meant to do. This is these are people I'm supposed to meet. But I wouldn't say it was one thing. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of all came together in this aha moment at once that just really affirmed that I can do this.
0: Do you remember um, after you left that class, the first time you kind of started to use and apply something you had learned from it where it kind of, you know, the the light bulb was flickering in there?
1: It was more of the, the business. It wasn't the there was nothing specific, I'll be honest, with the Excel spreadsheets or anything like that that gave me this super confidence, but almost that I could create this. I understand where the money's coming in, where it's going out, how I can price myself, how I can ask for more, um, what I thought might work in terms of individual coaching was hard to scale. So it was those little little bits and pieces mm-hmm. that helped me create more of a scalable business and a structure for myself that one I didn't know I needed or even existed and that I could create that that platform in those programs.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Did you meet anyone during that time that you're still in touch with that had an influence on you?
1: Yes. So the professor of the class, I'm still in contact with. I would consider them a mentor um, through the writing process. Um, I wrote a book. It came out last year with a publishing company. Thank you. It's um, How to Listen and How to Be Heard: Inclusive Conversations at Work. And I think our not the class itself, but the relationship we built post the course was really helpful. Again, in giving me the confidence of yeah, I can go out and write a book proposal. I can try to get picked up and get picked up by an agent and get picked up by a publishing house. So that continued confidence builder, I think has always been really, really helpful in my relationship with them.
0: Did you have any inkling of this when you first met him in class? Do you remember? No, no.
1: Cause I was, uh, it was a late night class it was a bunch of people in the course, you know, it wasn't, th- it wasn't built up to have that one-on-one relationship, mm-hmm. but I think again, being who I am, just wanting to get to know them and hear from their later. experiences and how do they do this? Yeah. It just gave me the confidence again, to continue to, to build that, that one-on-one connection that mm-hmm. I, that I need. And I crave. Do
0: you remember a conversation with him that it was like, was that, that you felt like you were building something that it, this was Something meaningful?
1: So I'm not a this one thing was pivotal, like just in my (laughs) life in general, right? This one experience, this one conversation, I don't think defines me or who I am. I think it's a collection of similar experiences that create that. So it wasn't one moment or conversation I had with them. It was that we've continued to build that relationship, that talking with him consistently and over a period of time, we were able to do that. The the moment, if we were for a specific moment, would be even me going and asking him a question, right? Going up after class and asking a question, going up after class and asking for a conversation to then build that relationship and keep that going over a period of time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is an important part of the storytelling concept is that I've said this many times that I don't believe in a light bulb moment in terms of the light switch suddenly coming on, but I do believe it's on kind of a dimmer switch. And there are certain memories that become more vivid that can demonstrate that longer period of time. So um, when when I think about the, the period of time between when my father got sick and then when he died, I have vivid memories that are, little and if I want to describe to somebody or uh, relate to somebody who's going through something similar, I'm not going to tell them the whole story. I'm not going to say, well, at this point he was dying. And at this point he was, you know, I'm not going to, uh, that's not a good description of how I can Mm -hmm. relate to a person. And so I pick out certain key elements of the stories that happened that will then demonstrate the overall period of time. Mm So that's why I ask the questions in that way is because uh, sometimes it's like when, as soon as you said, getting up the courage, the confidence to walk up and ask him a question that first time, that's a story. Like I, I imagined you walking to the front of this lecture mm-hmm. hall. I have no idea what it looks like, but I have it in my head already because I've been to plenty of lecture halls. Um, but I imagine you walking toward him with all the other students kind of walking away and maybe maybe two or three students coming up to talk to him and ask him questions. And that's a moment that I could feel with you mm-hmm. because I know how it feels. I can relate to that idea of building up the confidence and courage to go talk to somebody mm-hmm. that A, I'm not sure wants to talk to me, or B, that I admire and respect. And so it feels kind of like that awe moment. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go talk to this person. Or even C, just being relatively shy, maybe shy is not the right word, but just, you know, hesitant to go and introduce yourself to somebody, regardless of the circumstances. So, whatever of those three situations it was or scenarios it was, I'm imagining that courage that it took to walk up and ask a question and then to do it again, because it gets easier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To do it again and then actually have a conversation. And then I'm imagining you walking away from the second or third conversation, feeling lighter, like you know something that you didn't know 15 minutes ago. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, I completely see what you're saying. I mean, It goes back to my... What I was talking about the very, very beginning of our conversation of not liking being in a situation where I don't know anybody. Right. And it gets exactly. the courage of having to meet that one person and have those conversations. And, you know, it's interesting because again, I don't remember what we talked about at the time. I don't even physically remember going um, and speaking to him, but I think it's so important. Like you're mentioning to, to think about it as a dimmer switch of this one experience and this experience and this experience. And then this is what all kind of creates who you are. Because sometimes, you know, when you ask people, not you personally, but, you know, what is the one moment where you think did this, or tell me about the right. time when you use your strengths specifically, people are like, well, well what, what, do, what do you mean? What is the time that I use this? But it's getting that other person's perspective, right? Whether it's your coach or an employee or a supervisor, to be people, isn't it obvious you and looked at the meeting request and realized that this person wasn't there, or, you know, you thought about plans A, B, and C. It's an outside perspective, I think, that helps you find your story, find where you're using your strengths and and where you're kind of bringing value in, which is
0: cool. Exactly. Exactly right. I love that you just said that because um, I think many times we have to ask somebody else to help us mm-hmm. identify those, especially the moments. Um, one of the things I encourage my clients to do when we're first starting to uncover where the strengths are showing up is I'll have them send just the description of their top two strengths to somebody who knows them well, not necessarily a family member, because that's a different kind of knowing. Um, And even they're the the same strengths, they're going to point out different times that these things showed up. And and it might be too confusing at that first moment. So I'll have them send just the descriptions without the words, because words like relator or strategic may have different meanings in the person's head than Mm -hmm. what's written in the description through Gallup. So I'll have them send just those top two descriptions and then ask for a story where that showed up. So I actually did that with my sister because we've also collaborated with work together. So we have lots of history, many, many decades of history. <laughs> but, um, but I sent it to her because she really knows me probably more than just about anyone. So I sent her my strategic, which is my number one strength. And of course, Gallup... Um, also includes little bits and pieces from your other top five. So anyone, this is for our listeners' sake, anyone who reads their first description, um, if your top two are strategic and, say, command, and mine are strategic and activator, uh, those top paragraphs are going to look a little different. You're going to have different sentences inserted into them. So they are customized based on your all of your answers, not just what your strategic looks like. So that said, a strategic paragraph to my sister without the word strategic on it and said, I just, uh, I'm just curious. I didn't want to give her an idea of how I felt about it. So I said, I'm just curious. Do you see this in me? And can you tell me a story about when this showed up? And meanwhile, in my head, I'm like, I'm not strategic. I have no idea why this showed up as my number one strength. I am impulsive. I do this. I do that. I'm not strategic. So then my sister called me because she was so excited. She didn't just text or email me back. She called me and she said, oh my gosh, this is totally you. What is this? Tell me where you got this. And then I told her about the strengths assessment and she said, oh my gosh. And I said, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't, I can't see that. Where is it? And she said, really? You don't know this about yourself because I'm very self-reflective. And so she said, "Um, well, remember that time that you did blah, blah, blah. Said, and the time you told me, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, I do remember that. Well, what about this time? And all of a sudden, like all these moments in time, as I said, moments in time come back into my memory. And I'm looking at them, as you said, with a different perspective, a different frame of um, why it happened the way that it happened. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, that is strategic. So um, I love that you said that that you have to sometimes go outside of yourself to find those moments in time and those stories that represent this the strengths that you hold.
1: And it's cool to hear it from someone else too, of cause those probably weren't those moments that you would have even thought of. It would be like, oh, it's a Tuesday. You know, it didn't right. break. It's like, oh yeah, well I did that or I did again, cause the one or two it's were things Tuesday. you just do. And you're like, well obviously I thought about this and this. Why, why didn't you? But to your sister, whomever you're talking to, it's this moment of this is unique. This is different. This is special. And this is what makes you who you are. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. I think to hear from somebody else, what makes you, you and how it shows up in your relationship with them too.
0: Yes. It uncovers, I like to say it uncovers your magic. Mm-hmm. And there are days and months and years in our lives where it's really hard to see our magic where things are just not right. We're not living in our strengths. We're not feeding them. And so it's really hard to see and having that outside perspective can really contribute to bringing us back out of that darkness and start feeding those strengths again. So I'm curious about um, how you feed some of your strengths. Do you think about that at all?
1: Well, it's interesting that you said kind of this this darkness, and not that it's a darkness. But I remember it was a couple of years ago thinking like how you know going through and continuing to coach people of how am I using my strengths and how am I showing up in my relationships with friends? So I would text them, you know, tell me just five things. Like, why are we friends or what, you know, what do you like about our friendship or how do I use my strengths? And it was, and my friends know that that is a typical weird text that I would, I would be the one, right, sending (laughs) that text to them. And it was so fascinating just getting these responses back. And then we were were helping each other. We were doing the same. And I've written them down. And I'll look at them of, oh, I am. And I do the same with emails from clients of those thank you emails, or you helped me through this. And it's essentially a folder of all these moments that I'm using my strengths and I'm feeding those talents that way because I think I forget, and sometimes we forget that these are, in fact, amazing, our magic, our superpowers, our things that we're good at. And to see it written down from yourself and how you feel about it and how others feel about it um, is just great for me. Uh, In terms of education, I'm always, always, always learning and wanting to learn and grow, Um, whether it's taking quick, like micro learning sessions or webinars or reading books or listening to podcasts. To me, that helps feed a lot of my inner strengths too. I I need that information um, to keep going to make. What are your
0: top five? Do you have input or learner up there too? I don't, that's in my top 10. And it was
1: funny thinking I didn't love school growing up. Why would I be this learner? Why would I be, you know, intellectual? but it's, it's more learning something that I love. It would, it, you know, it's right. Uh-huh. So it's, yeah. but I, I think, think that's I, generally the way that goes. If you don't, but I think learner. some people are school people. Yeah. Some people just right. enjoy being in academic one, like the right. idea of, of learning to learn. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy necessarily learning to learn There are specific topics that I love and I crave. And I'll take a really deep dive mm-hmm. um, into those topics.
0: So what are your top five or six, just out of curiosity?
1: Yeah, Includer, communication, relater, positivity, and achiever.
0: Ah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. The achiever keeps popping up and I was Mm -hmm. curious about it. And um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just for our listeners' sake, um, just so that you know, anyone can take the StrengthsFinder assessment. It is available on the gallup.com website. You can take the top five or you can take the full 34. If you ever plan to work with a coach, I highly recommend you just go ahead and invest in a 34 because sometimes it's really helpful to see where you don't have talents, where they're really at the bottom of your list, Um, partly because those are people that you often have intense friction with because they think so differently from you. And it's a great opportunity to start to understand where you could use some complementary talents in your life, and you surround yourself with people with those talents. So, for instance, as I talked about at the very beginning of this conversation with Alyssa, um, it was very helpful to me when I was the director or the the president of a nonprofit here in Texas, that I had somebody with Includer in their top strengths because that is not how I think. And I knew that my command was going to get in my way if I didn't have somebody that could look at my emails or my communication from that different perspective. So what would you add to that, Alyssa?
1: If you, one, I think everybody needs a coach or to have a coach to look through it because it's one of those assessments or just in general, people are like, oh, I took that a while ago, or yeah, I think I took that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so important to have those conversations with somebody else about your results, to see them, to look at them, to evaluate them. And there's so much benefit, I think, as an individual, as a team, as an organization to be able Mm -hmm. to do that. Definitely. And if you're going to to do all the thirty-four, I think that's awesome. But start and look at your five. I think it can be so overwhelming when you're at first, you know, people gravitate, I think, towards what is my thirty? What what don't I have that I feel like I should have? Right. They are, having a coach. Oh. <laughs> but I think but working oh, sorry. with you, working they, with they always coaches. go to the bottom first. Right. But but working with you, working with other coaches, I think is so helpful to put that into perspective because we can get lost in those 32, 33, 34 when it's not just about that. There's so much more to the context of it. So investing your time and energy and working with somebody through it, I think is so important.
0: I totally agree. I know I took lots of assessments in my years as a college student and then as an employee of different agencies. and they were never very meaningful to me. I would look at them once and be like, Oh, yeah, that's me. And it was, they were generally um, accurate. uh, But I didn't go beyond that until I started working with a coach. And that's when I started to realize, yes, this is me, this is where I can really focus to spend more time. And this is where they're getting in my way. um, When I'm not using them in a way that's helpful or productive. So Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I loved about working with a coach was that it helped me identify where um, I was putting too much attention. I was feeding my adaptability too much, which meant that um, the other strengths weren't being used as well. And there's like this underlying dissatisfaction when we do that, when we feed one thing more than we feed the rest. It's like eating really good diet, but not moving around, not exercising. You're, you're limiting the, the possibilities, the potential when you're not looking at it from that holistic perspective.
1: Now I love that. And I think about it um, sometimes my inclusion, I try to feed it so much with other people of you know in a social situation, you see somebody in a corner, I want to make sure you're comfortable, I want to make sure you're okay, or inviting people over, or having discussions. And sometimes you in, in responsibility being in my in my top 12, I always forget of responsibility to myself too, right? Am I enjoying myself? Am I having a good time? What am I, you know, you you can put that aside. So having somebody really help, help me and have those conversations, ar- you know, around what that looks like has always been really helpful.
0: Right. As you mentioned, prioritize mm-hmm. my responsibility and how responsible is that? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And am I responsible to these people more? I'm responsibility to my, then I'm responsible to myself. No, of course not. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. That is so important. I, I not enough people recognize that too. So I appreciate you saying it. So as we um, wrap up and come full circle, do you have anything else about your strengths or about your work with DEI that you could share with our listeners and then kind of talk about where our listeners can find you and find your book?
1: Sure. Um, you can find my book, How to Listen and How to Be Heard, Inclusive Conversations at Work on Amazon, Barnes Noble, wherever books are sold. And my website is not okay, that's okay, coach.com. There's a lot of information about... Programming and speaking engagements. And I have an online program right now, which has been so much fun to create in a mastermind group around it about being a diversity, equity, and inclusion change maker. Um, So, helping people really understand the foundational terms and what they can do when thinking about hiring or having those difficult conversations at work. Um, Dee and I, right, I mean, in general, it's such a tough it's such a tough space, right? It's such a tough space to be in because growing up, we're told not to talk about these things, right? Not to talk about race, religion, politics, anything that could stir up some type of controversy at work. And now it's, let's talk about everything, right? Let's have these conversations, but be comfortable about it. It's fine. You know, just get yourself in these situations. Okay, get and, over it. <laughs> Right, exactly. And being in this inclusive communication space, there's this middle ground where you're not just going to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and saying and and doing all these things. So it's important to recognize, I mean, I still make mistakes and will continually make mistakes. And and as you're having conversations with people, whether it's about your strengths um, or anything happening in your organization, we're all trying to learn. We're all trying to grow. We're trying to make our spaces better um, for people to feel heard and feel valued and really understand one another. So it's, Yes, it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, but it's recognizing that that it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel uncomfortable and, and and finding those people that you have those connections with and building those stories. And I just I understanding your strengths of what am I doing? Well, who do I need help with um, to make this better, you know, better for everyone Um but I, I, I think it's hard. I think it's a hard space to be in. And with everything, especially going on in, in our world and our society right now, it makes it a little bit more even difficult to get up the courage to start talking
0: about a lot of the things that we need to. Mm-hmm. I like to remind um, listeners that whatever side of this conversation you're on, whether you're learning or sharing, um, approaching it with curiosity, really honestly being curious about another person's perspective is a great place to start. And also, knowing that gentle correction is the way to go. So if your friend says something kind of steps in it with you and it feels icky, if you don't say anything that you're not, then you're simply not valuing that relationship. But you can gently correct. You can say, um, "That's not really a phrase that we use anymore." and this is this is why it, it makes me a little uncomfortable and yes it is awkward and i have to say awkward isn't bad awkward doesn't have to be bad it's just awkward so, and it's
1: interesting cuz we learn these skills and experiences in other places but in the dni space it's so hard for people to realize it's the same thing Just right. You know, it's we don't have to tiptoe it around like we think we do, right? Tell me more. Help me understand. I didn't used to think that way. That's so interesting, right? Use those phrases and those terms. I think it's great to learn from other sides. I I specifically put myself in in situations where I'm learning different perspectives to gain more information. And and that's hard. I think that's hard for people to understand of you can't always hang around people like you. You'll keep hiring people that look like you, who experience things similarly to you, find people with different strengths and experiences and cultures and races um, and religions. And it's, it's just really helpful as an individual to grow. And especially in your organization as well
0: hmm Definitely. Definitely. So for our listeners, I will have links to her book, to Alyssa's book, as well as her website. And um, are you on LinkedIn? I am. Yep. Okay. Under Alyssa Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Great. So I'll also add a link to Alyssa's LinkedIn profile so you can follow her or potentially connect with her if you'd like to learn more about her. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me on your stories. Don't define you how you tell them. Will, I really appreciate your time and energy today. Thank you, Sarah. Are you ready to start your story portfolio so you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places, and the audiobook version is available on Google Play and on my website, ElkinsConsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, the audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review. And let me know that you've done it so I can thank you properly. Thank you.